0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the That's A Wrap podcast, the show where we wrap up the latest films that we've seen. I'm your host, Joe Downey. And I'm your co-host, Matt Parkinson. The date of recording today is the 27th of March, and the time of recording today is 2.09. Remember to follow our Instagram at T.A.W. Podcast. That is T.A.W. Podcast. If you ever want to suggest films and topics for us to talk about, our DMs will be open over there. You can also check out our Facebook page if you type up That's A Wrap Podcast or T.A.W. Podcast, and make sure to give a like and share as it really helps out the show. When it comes to listening, we are available on Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Overcast, and Apple Music. So make sure to give us a follow on those platforms and leave a review where available, as it helps out the show. If you'd like to keep up to date with the latest films that we've seen, both in and outside the podcast, you can check out our, le- box pages at, our letterbox pages at, er, uh, stutters, Joe User and Clappy P. The opening and closing jingles that you hear on the show today are by Philip Buster, so please check out his music at soundcloud.com forward slash philipbuster underscore official philipbuster underscore official i'm rusty people <laughs> no that was good it's always and, good uh, it's really odd with these i've mentioned this before on the podcast with these like cans they work as like a speech jammer and i'll like think i'm talking normally and then i will play it back and i'll realize i've just said a completely d- like different word <laughs> but you know you guys it, have Does it, it delay the audio then a little bit or? No, no it's just like uh, then I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure I said like l box instead of letterbox. like." <laughs> but like, you guys, know, you know, you guys know the drill. We've been we know, we're, around We're like town. 19 episodes in, what, yeah. 18 episodes in. We know what we're doing. One of those numbers. <laughs> ben, today is a very special uh, episode because we got a guest on the show, a lovely friend and supporter of the show, Adam Beale. Adam, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Um, this is uh, definitely, well, actually, before we get into that, um, I'm going to put you on the spot, Adam. Because uh, a while back, you asked us a question on one of our Q&As uh, as to what our favourite films are with our favourite shots in. And okay. I was just going to ask you, what is uh, what are some films that you like that have some of your favourite shots in, before we get into Ooh, our ones today? Um, hmm.
1: Let me think. Well, um, well, one of my favourite films is Sunset Boulevard, and there's, always, there's this one shot that's always stuck out to me. It's the scene where Norma Desmond, the main female character, she stands up in this really dark room with this really h- harsh back like that comes from a projector where it all it almost kind of cakes her. Mm almost kind of cakes her in the frame. It's just it just really encapsulates this character's obsession with, with the with the stardom that she's lost. It's just
0: Nice. Very nice. I hope I didn't put you two on the spot though. No, That's okay. <laughs> um so yeah, so like like uh, before uh I was I was gonna say that um today's film selection is probably one of the most unique out of out of all the other episodes and i don't know how to explain why that is um i just what what like what do you think matt in regards to today's selection of films well
2: i i can't speak on behalf of the films you and adam chose but in terms of my choice because one each film on this is one of our choices i think we each chose Mm -hmm. one
0: yeah
2: and my choice there isn't really an interesting or deep reason behind it i was just looking for something interesting to watch that was readily available on either a, a streaming service or YouTube or something like that. <laughs> and I know that sounds boring, but at least it's honest. I and know. like, I was—I was
0: going I, to I say that they're all different countries for sure.
2: Yeah, but because I was looking at my Amazon watch list, mm. and the only films that were on there that were on Prime currently were ones that I—I I wasn't sure if we'd want to talk about, or they were either like too long or kind of right. too obvious. And I just thought, so... and then Suspiria popped up on my. Watch
0: list and i yeah. So uh <laughs> spoiled uh, one of a, the so, films. So, so, it's a it's a great segue into today's first film of the day. So <laughs> wait, so yeah. Um so uh, like we've played before, we we like to play around with the synopsises. Synopsises? Uh hmm. I don't know the word for it. Uh the plural. Uh so usually we get our Google synopsis and we see whether how accurate that is. But for today I would like both Adam and Matt to provide their own and see how accurate that is to the google one or if if they are better or not so if we go adam first
1: and then matt second okay so Suspiria, so an american dance student is accepted into a prestigious european academy only to find surreal and disturbing activities happening all around
0: very very nice matt what have you what have you got uh, adam you, you hit
2: the nail on the head with that one uh, <laughs> i didn't have anything written down i was going <laughs> to improvise but yeah um yeah, it's about a young woman who joins a dance academy only to discover that things aren't as they seem. And she discovers a growing sense of dread and horror within the academy that she must learn to survive.
0: Sweet. You guys, you guys ready here? Google's on. Yeah. Okay. It's a tad bit wordy. So it says, <laughs> Susie travels to Germany to attend ballet school. When she arrives late on a stormy night, no one lets her in. And she sees Pat, another student, fleeing from the school. When Pat reaches her apartment, she is murdered. The next day Susie is admitted to her new school, but is having a but has a difficult time settling in. She hears noises and, and ah and often feels ill. Car, I'm rusty today. As more people die, Susie uncovers the terrifying secret history of the place. Could they like add more words in there? Like <laughs> Adams was better. <laughs> yeah. Adam wins uh, Adam synopsis wins. game one. <laughs> Okay. We're, we're it's a working title for the game. Yes. Um so yeah, uh this is directed by Dario Argento as I'm pretty sure is like his most famous film, I'd say. Mm. Um I was was concerned that I didn't know enough about like giallo cinema and Ita- Italian cinema uh, to like mm. fully comment on this film, but as it like I think giallo uh kind of more refers to like uh Like mystery fiction and thrillers, um, and then with uh, because they always had like uh, yellow colors. Giallo meaning uh, yellow in uh, Italian, and this isn't really much of. I mean, you could say it's a mystery fiction and thriller, but it's more of a culty horror film. Um, And to be honest, I don't think I've been in the best mind state with this (laughs) film. Uh, I've str- I, str- like, I didn't struggle with the remake but I, I, I mentioned previously that I'd fallen asleep during the remake and uh, not because of the film I just did and then this time round when I tried to watch uh, Suspiria 1 the, as in the original uh, I was also tired so I don't know what that's saying I don't know if that's the film or not now um, yeah so it's it's a very odd one Um Adam this is your second time watching it how was it on how was it on first watch and then how was it on rewatch well
1: first time i saw it was actually i saw it at the the at the the boscom boscom yeah i saw it, i saw it at the boscom gr- grindfest in oh yeah in september 2019 so i think in i think in a cinema i think it helped with the experience but i think watching it more with a critical lens i i think i was just became less interested in it this time because i think i've realized with this with this experience, while obviously, obviously it it's visually interesting, obviously with the harsh, saturated colours and almost quite theatrical, almost almost gothic architecture, I just wasn't really that interested in, in the characters.
0: Right, and uh, I, and Matt as a. As a first-time watch, how uh, as, and as your pick, how how was it for you? Yeah,
2: so this was my first time watching this. I kind of went, went into it semi-blind. Like, right. all I really knew about it was that it was sort of a B-movie horror film. And that's, you know, I appreciated it for being exactly that. You know, it's a very striking B-movie horror film. It's very, like Adam said, visually striking, and the colours are very rich and good. And I'll, I'll go into a thing about the colours of the film later on, but... um It's, you know, it's a very good looking film. The production design is great. I think the direction of the film lends itself well to this sort of slow build up of intrigue and just like building sense of dread. It's a lot like a Kubrick film in a way with the sort of slow moving cameras and the sort of overuse of the jarring score. It's very good. I like that a lot. I think, yeah, it's a lot more interesting on a visual and directoral level than it is on like a script level. Like the characters are fairly standard. And in Mm -hmm. terms of, like, the looming threat, the horror side of it, it doesn't necessarily tie into the characters personally. So it's kind of, it's not that interesting, especially in the third act, I think. But I still enjoyed this film for what it is. I think I appreciated it for the context
0: of what it is, I think. Um, So so what uh, I think what's interesting that uh, Adam highlighted is that he was saying it's probably a better cinema experience and yeah i, I can imagine completely agree mm. i can imagine the sound is a big factor in that and i know you wanted to mention uh just like the 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 sound in this film and then in, in and then going past that uh, the just the restoration process in general mm. um what was it you wanted to say about this film sound in particular
2: So, well, the sound, it was interesting because I started watching this film and about 10, 15 minutes in, I noticed that the sound was quite bad. So I looked at the little IMDb trivia in the corner and it said, fun fact about this film, all of the sound for it was recorded in post after shooting took place. Mm -hmm. And then I quickly Googled this film today, just a little Wikipedia, and apparently that's not true. Not all of it was done in post because this was a common practice in Italian cinema, I think, to Mm -hmm. record all of the sound. After shooting had commenced and apparently that wasn't entirely the case for this film. Some of the sound was recorded on set and some of it was recorded in post. Right. And I kind of it makes sense now watching it because I did notice it was inconsistently good. Like sometimes the sound is really, really good. And like you forget that it's well, forget it's like it Mm. sounds like it's on set. And Mm. sometimes it sounds really bad and really obvious that it's not on set. And now Mm. I know why, because all of not all of it was done in right. that way and I thought it was like an artistic statement at first as like oh we're doing experimental things with sound but apparently this was just common practice right, yeah. in old this italian is, cinema yeah
0: this is like the only frame of reference I have for that is a film called barbarian uh film studio where it's about like toby jones is this foley artist for a, like a, an italian film similar to Suspiria, like a, like a horror type film and that a lot of the sound is done after the fact um and I'm it's i think what it has working for it is that because of the the like how off the sound is it puts you in a like state when you're watching it because not yeah. everything is as it seems mm-hmm. it's all a bit off kilter but like it it can take you out the film at times because for instance when Udo Kier's character shows up, I was like, "That's just not his voice."
1: <laughs>
0: like, like, or or it di- if if it was, it doesn't sound like it because it's not uh, recorded naturally, you know.
2: Yeah, um, and... I didn't notice it as much with him. I, I don't know why, but I mainly right. noticed it at the beginning of the film—the sort of the, like the sound not quite syncing up—and not just the dialogue; like little mm. foley sounds of like clothes yeah. scraping yeah. or like footsteps sound very kind of obvious and a bit too crisp to be. Yeah. It- yeah.
1: It I, I remember I think there's a bit that's close to the end, not really a spoiler, but there's a scene with a bat where I where think where obviously Su- Susan, the main character, she's hitting the back, but I remember it just felt a bit too fuzzed up to be mm. believable in the scene.
0: Yeah. 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 Um what did you guys think of the score by the goblins? Because me personally, uh it that like either halfway through the film or whatever it just kind of felt a bit repetitive. Um, <laughs> Adam, what did what did you think?
1: I mean, like overall, I mean, I I don't understand it can get repetitive, but I think I think it works to be repetitive in the sense because it builds up that sense of madness that rather right. just repeating the same thing over and over again that it just drives you more insane.
2: Yeah. yeah. I um, liked it a lot. I think it fully just immersed me in that sort of 70s grindhouse aesthetic of right, like, right, right. we're going to make you experience all the senses all at once. Mm-hmm. Just all at the same time. It's great. I like it. I think it works well. It makes it a lot more jarring and it right. has that sort of not quite campiness to it, but that sort of B-movie aesthetic to it, which I, I really liked and it fits well with the tone yeah. of the film. I yeah, yeah. I really yeah, like the score. I think
1: the, percu- I think the percussive sound as well I think really works because it sounds like quite, almost like penetrating the way it's just almost like beating you with 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 beating you also with the the sense of the scene exactly yeah
0: the 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 score is by the goblins and uh some of it is also by dario dario argento himself um i was watching a like a review slash introduction to the film uh by kermode and apparently it it was very influential for like john carpenter's scores and i can fully see that because Mm. like like you were saying Matt, it was like the 70s like it kind of, yeah, 70s grindhouse type score. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's like. Just like not, sort of audibly not, arresting kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. Is it Cynthia? Like, it's definitely like. I don't know. I can't think of the word for it. I, like, the closest mm. thing I can think of is it's Cynthia, but like, the main parts I remember of the score is like this one motif where it's like these little like. Sprinkling notes, or it's like ding, 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 and then like this weird like groaning thing, where it's like it's (laughs) it's fitting that it's like by a group called the Goblins. Like, (laughs) is this literally just them? Exactly. "Ah, Yeah, I think it works really well for the film. I think it's it's a good it's a good score. I'm not too sure how to like talk about the acting for it because, like you were saying, Matt, it it is a B movie. Like Mm. the, the delivery of some lines is just so like. Over the top, where I'm like, yeah, I, I, I can't really criticize it, you know. <laughs> I did have a
2: note about the acting in this. Like, I when watching it, I did notice that it just came across as a very well cast film. Like, I think I mean, Jessica Harper does a really good job at being the sort of very innocent and sympathetic protagonist. I think she has good eyes for it, I think, sort of right. very dark, like, doe eyes
1: mm. for
2: it. And I think, um, Alida Veli, I think that's how you pronounce her name, she plays uh miss tanner one of the dance instructors oh I think. she was really she. she's, she's really good but she's really good mm-hmm. she has just g- great mm-hmm. on-screen presence as being this right. sort of very prickly very sort of you know um tautly wound kind tightly wound kind of mm. character like the classic sort of strict dance instructor i think it's just yeah those two in particular were very well cast in the film yeah. and i think they did their roles
0: very well uh, adam what did you think of the uh the, the ballet uh, the
1: ballet dancers and and
0: their the, their performances.
1: Um, overall, I my mean, I remember, I think I think most of them at least perform the ballet alright. But I think the prob I think the problem is that I don't really remember most of the characters, so I can't right. I can't really I can't re I can't really think think I'll, sorry I don't remember the characters that well, so I can't really think what I can't really think whether it's a genuine reaction that they're right. giving. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is the thing with it being all after the fact. I like. I don't know whether or not it's even their voices so I can't even mm. I can't really judge the intent of it if it's being like uh tampered with after the fact you know mm. um but like I think the, the villains are very like memorable um, I think and, yeah uh, and I I I was just going to quickly say that like I you I wouldn't be surprised if this film had some influence on Midsommar uh, in particular in particular with the character of uh, Pavlov or Pav Pavlos here, uh, with the mm. character of Ruben in Midsummer, where it's just this quiet henchman with a with a deformity, mm. who's just like always lingering, and you like mm. never know, like well, if they're mm. gonna like snap or not. Like, that, that was something I, I g- gathered from. it. Just went quickly like going mm. over some notes, or we're like rewatching certain things. Yeah. Um, it- so go ahead.
1: Yeah. In fact, something something I was just looking up earlier was that. In the original script, the characters were all children, so all the, right. the idea that they they, they don't accept schools children under the age of twelve. But I think the producers changed it eventually because they thought it would, with all with all the violent stuff that goes on, it was too far of having it happen right. to children.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I makes mean, that's
1: pro- they'll that probably explain why some of the characters' lines come across as maybe somewhat childish because yeah. yeah. So remember there's there's a bit where they say. Names that S's are the names of snakes, or yeah, that's the like bit. That. Yeah, i was literally <laughs> thinking of that bit.
0: That's interesting. I I didn't know that. That's, the, that's some cool. of the writing is just a bit like, ah, uh, what? Like I don't wh- think, wh- yeah, <laughs> like when when they're like, oh, it's almost like there's a hex on this place, and I'm like, okay, all right,
1: cool.
2: I think I can forgive it because, like I said before, this isn't really a film right. you watch for the writing. I think yeah, it's a film yeah. you watch to kind of for the visually arresting aesthetic yeah, it has the and the, main the score. Part of it, yeah and in a way the performances as well like i i enjoyed some of the performances and like the visuals uh if i could just go into the the things about the visuals that i found out about this film so um so when when you watch this on amazon prime it gives you a little disclaimer about how the film was restored recently so in 2016 it was restored because when the film was first made um it the film stock was processed using something called the Eastman stock process, or something like that. And basically it um, made the film look good, but not great. And then right. Dario Argentio pushed for it to be um, uh, processed using something called the Technicolor dye transfer process, mm. which makes the colors a lot more striking, a lot more vivid, which is the version we saw, because that was the version that was originally released in 1977. And then... After that, subsequent prints were made using the other process, which made it look not quite as visually stunning. But then in 2016, they restored it again to make it look like the original um, the original cut that Dario Argentio wanted.
1: Yeah, because that just reminded me, because I remember when I first watched it, it was actually on a on a 35mm print. So yeah. I remember, oh, how so was that? I, yeah, I, re- I mean, certainly the colours, of course, just really pop out, which I think just which I think just is a benefit of film as opposed to digital, which the colours just really stand out more. Did it yeah. have
0: like a uh, like, because uh, I've been to some of the like thirty five uh, screenings at. Um, oh, I've forgotten the name of the location. The Shelley Theater. Shelley Theater. Oh my god! <laughs> Sorry, I'm brain blank today. Um, it's okay. And it it's been just a really nice experience because you can see when there's like. This sounds like silly, but like when there's like imperfections in in the stock or mm. whatever. So like mm. when they'll play like some trailers that you can see where like oh, there's been some tampering here, some like scratches on there, or mm. like cigarette burns. I love a yeah. cigarette burn. It's just it's <laughs> such great. a film studenty thing. Is it? I, I know, but it's just it's so pleasing <laughs> to see. Like <laughs> it, yeah, it's cool. Um, and like the,
2: they they all I remember our lecturers were saying like the blacks are richer I think when you yeah. watch something on film
0: and it's just everything like, looks the, a little more the crisp. red the red the the reds in this film is like incredibly yeah. rich. The, mm. so I like don't get me wrong I like the colors and I, I, it's a very visually striking film and I think two of these films on the podcast like reminded me a lot of like Hodarowski films in their use of color. Mm. However with Suspiria some like I know it's intended it's a stylistic choice but there's some times where I'm like, okay, you're kind of beating me over the head with the colours here. Like, a character gets thrown into some glass, uh, uh, like a glass cabinet, and the glass cabinet's completely fine. There's no lights in there, no colours, it's fine. And as soon as she goes into the glass cabinet, a red light inside the glass cabinet flicks up and I'm like, okay, that just wouldn't happen. Like... I'm all for it. I'm all for it, honestly. like <laughs> This is the thing, it's like, I have nitpicks, Absolutely. but because it, <laughs> of the, the style of the film or, like, Certain things, certain like, yeah, the campiness of the film. Yeah, you can't really criticize it, but yeah, because it's campy, like, doesn't mean you should criticize it. So it's like a weird <laughs> catch twenty two. Really. Honestly, like, um, I would
2: rather it went for a scene like that than something that was convincing and realistic. Right. I would rather because yeah. it makes it more memorable, and I would rather mm. have that image in my head than yeah. a sort of logical reasoning in my head of, yeah. and you, yeah, you can thank the Technicolor dye transfer process. From Mm, Dario Argento for the
0: Colors. (laughs) Found out today that he was a writer on a Leone film. I forgot the film because it was literally before we went wrong. It it was, it might be Good, Bad and the Ugly. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. It was one with Charles Bronson in. I mean, he is, uh, oh,
2: was it Once Upon a Time in It might be. Because he's in that. He's in that, okay. Uh, Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yes, and then he went on to do Suspiria and In general, I need to watch his films and other Giallo films so I can understand it better. Because yeah. my only frame of reference is this in and *Barbarian Sound Studios*, which kind of uh, studio, which is just a kind of a comment on it. Um, that being said, like even though you can't, there's elements of this film you kind of can get away with not criticizing. I did mentally check out at some point, like. Mm. Uh, it's In particular, that's just the third act, where I'm just like, the yeah, reveal the th- wasn't worth it for me.
2: The third act, I think I mentioned this, yeah, the third act isn't that compelling, I think, because it's kind of, it is visually interesting, there's there's a lot of bright lights, and the score is very good, and there's a lot of, you know, very visually interesting moments, but at this point, because the characters are quite standard, I right. think it, you don't mm-hmm. feel any kind of catharsis or anything like that when the events do unfold. I'd did you feel that, Adam? Or
1: um, yeah, I think I kind of felt the same way. Because again, because because again, there's not much to the character, so you're not you're not really concerned about them that much. No. And, and also, I think I can't say it, but <clears throat> I think because, uh, well, I think at that point, certainly, I think there there aren't really many more revelations. So it's it's so the. Sorry, just going no, so just go blank. You, you, That's okay. You That's go You're good. Yeah. Um, um, no, I get I get I get what you mean though where it's yeah, there's it's no just like res- what's the point. No, yeah. There's yeah, no more like elevation or development yeah, it's, it's kind of it's, yeah. It's just a wrap up really. Yeah. 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 And, and and again it it also ends just really abruptly yeah, it's, without saying yeah. anything. <laughs> when the <laughs> credits
0: rolled I was it's like very oh, okay. Formal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The big be- the opening the opening and closer of the film is very formal where it's 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 not it wouldn't look out of place in like a 35 screening where it's like here is the film. Like or like, <laughs> but bye now. It has <laughs> ended now. <laughs> <Yeah>. Go home, <laughs> just Matthew Broderick's what, like, Are go you still here? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Jesus, I I haven't fully seen the remake, so I can't really comment too much on how, as to how they differ. But one thing I I've I've gotten from it from watching this one is that like. The remake seems
1: to just sap all
0: the color out of the original. Oh, it's really? It's just like a really oh, like no.
1: brat, like yeah, it's just beige-looking lot... film. Oh <laughs> no, just, just a lot of greys and browns and just yeah. Just... I probably but, will like, watch I, it at I, some
0: point. I think that was the intention though, because like the, he said, "This not me." So it like it's a bit of a wanky quote. But uh, Luca Guadagnino was like, "It's not a." It's not the song. Or it's not like it's a cover of the song. But it's a spirit. I'm like, okay, okay, bud. <laughs> but like, <laughs> at least you know, like, yeah. I I like that with the with the idea of a remake though, where it's not just I'm seeing the same thing again. You know, I think a remake should be like a filmmaker seeing potential in something, but uh, wanting you know, to there, take his own spin on it or their yeah, own spin yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, of yeah, but in general, I think if you. I think this would be a good watch party film if you're watching it with your friends uh, with popcorn or some drinks or whatever. Um, because, like, it is a silly, fun, campy film. It's, like, and I, it's probably better experience with people uh, rather than on a laptop. <laughs> but, I think, yeah, that, yeah,
2: that's kind of my closing thoughts on the film as well. Like, I'm not sure if I would watch this again, but I would definitely right. recommend it for what it is, like... Mm it is fun in the moment i think it didn't leave a huge lasting impression on me but i enjoyed it in the moment i enjoyed right. the visuals i thought the yeah.
0: performances were good i yeah it's a good time and, and then adam uh as someone that's seen it twice now what would you say uh for as to whether or not or, like how should people watch this film
1: yeah i think i think definitely watch the restored version because i cuz again i watched the version that's on youtube so i think it has the other print so again oh, right. yeah. the can't Kung- so I think, yeah, the cars don't stand out as much, but at least from what you've said about the other prints and from what I remember from the other one, I think definitely watch the restored version.
0: Yeah, so uh, there's versions of it on Prime, BFI Player, and like you said, YouTube as well. Yeah, so, Prime has the restored one, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was I think that's Suspiria. Yeah. So we I, so I, I was saying like each film is uh, like a different country, but it's more just like Superior is an Italian filmmaker and it's just like, set in America. But just yeah. for the sake of segue purposes, we're going from <laughs> we're going from Italy to Sweden. Hey. Um, hey. Adam, Adam, as this was your pick, please may you give us your synopsis for this film. OK, one second. No
1: problem. Uh, let's just get it out. OK, so a renowned concert pianist returns home after many years to visit her estranged daughter and repair the deep emotional scars they share.
0: Ooh, very, very poetic. Uh, Matthew, what have you what have you got? Oh, I didn't have one prepared for this Matthew. one. I thought it was. Right. I thought it was just Adam doing this one. <laughs> Sorry. The th- third, the third time will be a charm with the with the synopsis game. Next episode, we'll, 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 we'll give you another chance. Sorry. Um, so Google says, <laughs> Google says, after a seven year absence, Charlotte Andergast, Ingrid Bergman travels to Sweden to reunite with her daughter Eva, played by uh, Liv Ullman, uh, the pair have a troubled relationship. Charlotte sacrificed the responsibilities of motherhood for a career as a classical pianist. Over an emotional night, the pair reopen the wounds of the past. Charlotte gets another shock when she finds out that her mentally impaired daughter, Helena, played by uh, Lena Nyman, is out of the asylum and living with either. I don't know if the asylum is the right word, but yeah. Mm. It's, again, another overly wordy synopsis for Google, mm. which is very strange. Um <laughs> I, I agree, Adam summed it up very well. Um, this is, So, yeah, this is an Ingmar Bergman film, and I, I haven't seen, I surprisingly haven't seen any of his films before, which is mm. funny because I've, I've played someone that's obsessed with Ingmar Bergman before in a sketch. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was a very odd experience that way. Uh, and also, just a bit of a preface for at least my takes on it today I literally mm. have just watched the film. Because life has gotten in the way of this podcast many a time, mm. so a bit more fresher on this one. Um, but Adam, you've actually had some time to marinate with this film, and how how has that been for you sitting with uh, this type of film? Because I feel like that's what his films kind of need not not a first impression or so on. H- yeah, how has yeah. how,
1: how what did you think of the film? Well, I I really liked it personally. I mean, it's it's actually the. Third Bergman film I've seen, but oh, the first yeah. one I've—it's been quite a few years since I've watched it. But <clears throat> which one was that? So yeah, the first one I watched was the Seventh Seal, just because I saw oh, it yeah. on TV and was checking it out. But it's one I need to rewatch, and quite a while, and also quite a while ago, I, I watched Wild Strawberries, which is seen as a good place to start if you're trying to get into Ingmar Bergman Sweet. films, because because it's not as emotionally raw as obviously some of his other films are. But but again, but it covers a lot of his themes, it covers a lot of his themes in a more accessible way. So right. it's a good way to start, but. Because there's enough. Autumn awesome Snart is actually one that doesn't get as much attention as some of his others, but yeah, yeah. but but I think it's I think it's still as effective as I think uh, as I think some of those other films are though. Because well I think well I mean first of all I mean largely by the two performances. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean Ingrid Bergman especially. I mean I'm, I'm I found out this that. was her last. It was her last film. Yeah. Oh really?
2: Yeah. I did not yeah, know that
1: yeah, huh. well, yeah I, i'll admit i mean certainly she was one of the reasons i wanted to watch this because yeah. it's it was often said she gets what's often said one of her best performances and oh, i will definitely yeah. say it's the best i've ever seen from her i like i've only seen casablanca but like it was very it
0: was it was interesting seeing her like perform in, in swedish rather mm, than indeed uh, yeah than in, in, in english but um matt how was your experience with the film
2: uh, yeah, so this is my first Ingmar Bergman film. I haven't seen any of his other films. I know uh, vaguely of his reputation as a very sort of expressive and sort of depressing director of very mm-hmm. expressive, expressive and depressing films. Um, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this film. I have one issue with it, which I'll get into okay. in a moment. But okay. like, I'd, generally, I loved it Like, just to address the elephant in the room. Yeah, the performances are amazing. I think they're the best part of this. Like Liv Ullman and Ingrid Bergman are really, really fantastic in this. They're really subtle and just completely realised performances. Yeah. And just like script-wise, I really liked how simple and stripped down the film was. Like it's 90 minutes, I think, and it plays out all in one location pretty much. Yeah. Well, yeah. almost pretty yeah, much. Yeah. and Flashbacks. It's all just basically those two characters hashing stuff out. Like just going through years of emotional repression and just yelling at each other and going through it's a fun it all. time and for all the family. It's it's such it's a very <laughs> depressing and harrowing film, but it's great to mm. just see something so simple and stripped down like that. Just two right. people going at it,
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. shooting the shit, and uh, yeah, <laughs> just I, shooting the shit, having a great time, cracking over the cold shit. one. I'm um, go, um, yeah, What's a good right, way um, to say? Let's it?
0: talk about our repressed trauma. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But it's it's really great, and the way the characters are written, you sympathize with both mm. of them, kind of at different points in the film. Maybe yeah. Liv Ullman a little bit more personally, but right, right. honestly, they're so both, good in this film. They both mm. act so well that you can yeah. kind of sympathize with both of them because they're such mm. vivid characters. Um The way this film is directed is really good. Um Like the way Bergman blocks actors is just that's really expressive. Main,
0: that's the main thing. I, I, uh, yeah, I'm great. Like, to go the scene, yeah,
2: fr- yeah. yeah, the scene at yeah. the piano in particular is just so. Well blocked, I think, like the the profile and the um the face on uh, thing, yeah. yeah, yeah. So a,
1: a Bergman staple, yeah. Yes, so yeah.
0: Let, let's let's go into that. So for because yeah, like uh, like I was mentioning previously, this is like my first uh, Bergman film, but like the main thing I knew about him was like you said, like very expressionist, surrealist kind of films. But then also what's called like the Bergman shot, which is basically like how he positions his his actors within like it's either two or three faces in a frame, and I know everyone will talk about like ones where an actor is profiled and another actor is facing like pretty much down the lens and how yeah. it's very visually striking and pleasing but mm-hmm. one that I really liked strictly because like it's a shot that's not meant to work but it does where it's there's three it's a close up of just three heads and it's like uh helena and eva in the in the middle and then the back mm. of um uh charlotte played by ingrid bergman and it's somehow like that type of shot would be a really muddy frame and just wouldn't mm. work but yet somehow it manages to work because it's just it's it's depicting like how like she's so uh separated from the 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 two daughters mm. and because like the main focus is on their face and, and and you you have the back of uh, ingrid bergman um where am i going with this like it's like it's 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 a shot that speaks a lot for itself uh in in regards to their relationship and that type of shot in other films i don't think would work i just um, i wish
2: i could remember this specific shot because it's, it's when yeah. it's
0: when she first sees helena she goes down downstairs and sees right. Helena. okay um because basically uh she's just a really bad mom <laughs> she, she really is. Um, she, yeah. she did. She, yeah. So, and she gets surprised by Eva, uh, um, saying that she's now looking after uh, Helena, who was at a care home slash hospital. Mm. Um, but yeah. So yeah. The the, Ing- the Ingmar Bergman shot is usually just like one actor and another actor. One of them's down the lens. One of them's profile. But mm, this one yeah. was like a nice little trifecta of it all. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say though, like. I felt like no need for the the husband role at all. Yeah. I don't think he should have even been in the film. Like, I like that he's like kind of like some sort of this sounds wanky Greek chorus where he's at the beginning, and the end, and all that mm. stuff. But like, he's so unimportant. Mm. I, guess, I guess he's important in that you know, yeah, he Yeah, he's, he's
1: more of a world building character in a yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. and, and I mean, he's
0: like. He's there to be like the husband, <laughs> and he kind of contrasts
2: with the sort of mentally unstable state of the other characters because he's fairly mm. like well adjusted in the film from what I remember, mm, isn't right. he? He's kind of like,
0: the
2: but sort he's of...
1: also not there that much to be needed. He's not. In general, he really huh? isn't. Yeah, but like, no, I mean, one... I mean, he just pro- he just provides some expositional narration at the start and the end, and then it's just other yeah. than that, he's just pretty inconsequential. He's, he's pretty much like a prop. So um, that, yeah, but. I, like I'm sure these
0: his types of films are like super open to many interpretations of, and whatnot mm. but uh one thing I could kind of hazard a, a interpretation of was when they flash back to uh, Eva Eva as a, a, a child her dad is smoking a pipe as much like how the husband is smoking a pipe throughout the whole film and it's like some weird mm. Freudian thing that's how it played mm. for me because okay he, they make they make it. Uh, they make an effort to point out how how much older he is than her, and mm. The, mm. all the issues she had with her parents growing up, and and just with in her childhood in general. Um, but yeah, like with the, the like the stereotype of a Bergman film is that it's super like persona, like something like Persona, where it's super out there and, and surreal. Whereas this is like, like. Just a kitchen sink drama, really. It's very grounded, isn't it? It's like a Mike (laughs) Lee film, almost.
2: Yeah, Yeah. it works. (laughs) Um, But my one issue with it that I had... So, yeah, I guess The Husband, you could argue, is an issue with it. And um, the one issue I had with it was... You can feel free to disagree with me, but some of the dialogue, not all of it, felt very explicit and on the nose. Like There there are scenes yeah, where it feels like the characters are just stating the themes of the film. And there are scenes Mm. like... There are scenes where characters, I think Ingrid Bergman's character near the beginning, is on her own, just talking to herself, just stating what her emotions are. I feel angry.
0: Yeah. I feel
2: yeah. sad. And it's like, Bergman is such a visually expressive director, clearly. He's mm-hmm. like, the film does a lot of tell, don't show, which is a shame, because when it shows, yeah. it's mm-hmm. so good. This is, it's this like, do was, more of the showing.
0: This is what I was thinking when watching it, right, that yeah. they're... they're the in particular Eva and uh, Charlotte are being way too expository but then yeah. I wanna, like remind myself that they haven't seen each other for 7 years so it's mm. like they mm. are technically gonna like fill in a lot of blanks out loud but um at the yeah. same time there are times that it's just like trauma but, uh, ah. but it's like the scene where <laughs> she says something like
2: oh a mother must always pass down the hate to a daughter. Yeah, it. It's like yeah. you're just stating the theme of the like, film. Yeah, Come yeah, on. Yeah. Do it through <laughs> natural dialogue. And <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the scenes where they're talking just by themselves, that could have been done with a glance or like where mm-hmm. the camera cuts or like a close up of the face, like right. something else that's not I feel angry, I feel sad, yeah. I feel confused, I feel yeah. hungry. What what did, what did you think of that, Adam? <laughs> I
1: I yeah, I try to try and try but yeah, I, I agree that I mean some i agree i can't agree that I means some of it, some of it can be a bit too expositional but I guess one defence I could give is that it, in, for Charlotte, at least, because she, because also she's a pianist, a performer. You could argue she's kind of inherited that almost she's so dramatic, sensibility. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, literally, right, literally right from the start as soon as she arrives. She's just talking about, oh, good, a very dear friend of mine has left us. Like that. Yeah, and she I wears that, like a super that as... giant red dress, mm. and like, oh the, yeah,
0: and she's like, just so that I don't look like a widow.
1: Like, she's like, she deliberately <laughs> wants to like put on it's a, proper an, like a, a Gloria showing.
2: Swanson level, yeah. like yeah. sort of theatricality, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah,
1: she's a character who's very much trying to always like pre- push, off, push off her worries and troubles onto others. Right.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, I hadn't um, thought about that. It's it's a good justification, I
0: think. Um, still a problem. It's, it's, yeah, no, yeah. It, it's an odd one because in general, I feel like I need to see way more of his films to even decide mm. as to whether or not the things that are being done in this film work or not. Yeah, but like at the same time, I like that this one's so normal. Yeah. And um, and I kinda wish there wasn't any flashbacks because it works so well. Just play it all out yeah. in the present. Yeah. That would have been for, good. S- for yeah. something yeah. that is just people talking in a room, it it's works really well. And mm, yeah. it, you know? And when you flash back to like here, here here's how we were as children, it's just like mm. I, I I would I didn't mind the the, the format you were giving us previously. And it's yeah. it, it only mm. breaks away, it breaks out of this format every mm. now and then. It's just like, just stick to mm. what we already had. It, yeah, because I think it
2: just, the flaws with this film kind of add to insult when you just realise how talented Ingmar Bergman is as a director. And it's mm. like, you don't have to do this.
0: Also guys, just, uh, yeah. <laughs> Ingrid and Ingmar Bergman, no relation. They no, just I know. They have no. similar names. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> it's, it's just really, I find that fascinating. Uh, apparently, uh, they really didn't get on during this film um mm. but then also she was quite ill during this film yeah because um, she was
1: struggling with cancer at the time which was why it was her last film
0: yeah yeah and I, she got a best actress nomination for it yeah,
1: yeah. Last so. one, and yeah probably the best if you ask me
2: and i think the film got a screenplay nomination as well best yeah. original right. screenplay yeah
1: and yeah. um, something else I found out recently is that turned out it was actually shot in norway because yeah it turns out it Ingmar Bergman was actually a tax cheat in Sweden, so he was somewhat exiled. Yeah, yeah,
0: he was. Yeah, he was exiled for tax evasion. I, mm. I, I was reading that earlier, and then I, I, I thought it was Ingrid Bergman. And I was like, I They've got such similar names. I know, it's weird, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's just take a, a shot every time you mix them up. <laughs> yeah, I, I did that so much with, um, mistaken for strangers, the brothers, and then I always mixed up their last name because I didn't know if it was Berenger or like Beringer or Berninger. <laughs> Anyway. I can't, that was nearly a year ago i can't I, remember i'm that. still struggling with it so you know that's but um, um, yeah just nothing i i like i like the the colors in this like yeah the color palette's really nice the yeah, autumnal nice, all, yeah. yeah yeah
1: and, and it's an interesting arguably, interesting complementary color as well because a lot, a lot of times charlotte wears a lot of red color dresses whereas, whereas cre- yeah. ava wears a lot more green colors yeah yeah it, mm. yeah, it
0: really it It's weirdly Christmassy, but like, um, I, I remember seeing this in like a collection of films where it's like, what to watch for like autumnal vibes or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, in, in visuals, but not so much for feel. It's not a comfort Mm. film whatsoever. It's the
2: opposite (laughs) of a comfort film. I'm probably never watching it again,
0: (laughs) but that doesn't mean I didn't like it. Yeah. this, This is the thing. Yeah. Um, I did like it a lot. Yeah. Um. I don't think there's anything else we really need to get into. A fun piece of trivia is that he make, uh one of the books that, that uh, Ingrid Bergman is reading that she calls trash uh, has a picture of Ingmar Bergman on the back of it. Um, okay. So yeah, it's just one little tidbit I found. Hmm. Um, this is also as part of the Criterion collection. Um, nice. That's how that's how I found that video of uh, Liv Ullman. Uh, talking about how much they didn't get, like, uh, Ingrid and Ingmar didn't get, uh, get on on set. So basically, apparently, what they used to do after every day of shooting was uh, they, the whole cast and crew would watch a film that Ingmar Bergman has picked, even if they were tired. They'll be like, this is just tradition, we're going to stick with it, it's fine. And then one night they were watching all watching a film, and Ingrid Bergman just went... No, I'm out of here. I I I don't want to do this. It's almost (laughs) as if there were some bad omens on set. (laughs) And speaking of omen... Oh, right. (laughs) No. It's butter smooth, that. Uh, We're going from Sweden to... Hong Kong. Yes. This film is The Boxer's Omen. Matt, do you have a synopsis for this one?
2: I don't, but I can try my best on the spot to give a brief synopsis. So it's about this guy who's trying to avenge his brother who was uh, wounded in the boxing ring because um, his brother is a boxer, I believe, and mm-hmm. he's he was um, victim to a dirty boxing match. So now this guy is trying to avenge his brother and during this he sees an apparition of this ghostly figure that tells him to come to Thailand and it tr- transpires that this ghostly figure used to be... His twin brother, or something, in the past, and I'm doing a really bad job at this because no, I no, wasn't prepared. I,
0: this is, no, no, this is I, what, part of the reason why I want to ask you. Funnily enough, because this its, this it's is, <laughs> like I, I, we'll we'll do a little tag team. Adam, go go from that part. So we've we've <laughs> so okay. he's met he's met the Buddhist monk that he has a spiritual connection to. Yes. Then then what happens in
1: the film? <laughs> then he's forced to confront this conf- confront this evil this evil. Wizard sort of per- this evil wizard person who 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 wants to. I think I remember. I think basically just kill off the Buddhist monk. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And to... <laughs> basically, there's just weird gory shit. <laughs> I don't know why
2: I'm comfortable with reviewing films, but not describing them. Like it's such a weird thing. I don't it's, get it. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's
0: it's it's purely just to get a like our interpretations of it and see what cuz like Google Synopsis is like it's trying to market it, right? And Yeah. We found so, out that it's not always good. Yeah. But also this one, this one's more interesting cuz it's just like how the f- how how do you do this one? So Google Synopsis says uh a man gets caught up in a web of fate, Buddhism and black magic while seeking revenge for his brother's crippling in Thailand. Mm. Yeah, I mean Yeah, this is he's, he's also spiritually connected to a, a Buddhist monk. Uh and yeah. if if the Buddhist monk dies, then he dies. Um but the Buddhist monk is attempting immortality, but he can't. Um <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, so, um, honestly. This so this so, is your choice for yeah. a film, um, Joe. <laughs>
2: I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I think just like take us through the process of sure. why, yeah. So
0: in general I do I really like just When it's really hard to pick a film, just doing a wild card. And a lot of people, when they're adding stuff to their watch list, they add like a thousand films to their watch list and spend more time adding the film to the watch list than watching the film. And when I, but what I do is I like, I kind of want to. If I see something that kind of gets my eye a bit or whatever, I just like add it. Not I don't add it straight away, but I try and add it before I get too much info on it, so that when I watch it, it feels like I'm watching it fresh without any preconceived notions um like i have no idea how a separation got in my watch list like i don't know what i watched to find out about a separation but it's in there and it was like i watched it anew basically without any like hype or anything around it um but i vaguely well i i remember i first found out about this film through tiktok big up uh, there's <laughs> Not a big up Yeah, a big up. It doesn't need a big Uh, up. I'm giving it a big up. (laughs) Um, There is a a film producer on TikTok who recommends loads of uh, out there culty films. And she was uh, called Lindsay Online. And she uh, was doing a like Spooktober where it's like a film every day in October uh, 2020. And this is one of them. And it's a Shaw Brothers film. Now, I, I don't know too much about the Shaw Brothers, but I know basically they were just like the main company for... Hong Kong, uh, for for like kung fu uh, films in Hong Kong, um, and this one is like the director's second to last film, and I only just found out that it was it's, it's technically a sequel to a film called Bewitched, which is more of a prequel, but yeah, it's it's a really mm. weird film, and I watched it on six hours sleep, and yet I feel like there's no difference because it's a fever dream. It's really colorful, which I and looks nice, but mm. It's also repugnant. Mm, that's a good <laughs> it's, word. Yeah, yeah. It's this bulbous, slimy, liquidy film. Uh, if you have emetophobia or just in general don't like certain liquids on screen, do not watch this film because even though it's super colourful and nice looking at times, there is just some like that like this film is put on a website called Effed Up Movies, and I, I see why, because it's <laughs> it's, just, it's just a lot of it's just wrong. Um <laughs> Uh, so this is the thing, right? So like, I with the like the watch list thing that I was telling you, uh, about like kind kind of going in semi-blind. That's the issue you run across, run into with talking about it on the podcast because we're revealing. Well, we're I think talking, people who listen to the podcast
2: though won't be the ones who want to go in blind. That's but, the
0: thing. Yeah, but like, mm-hmm. so I I still want to give like a. I don't want to spoil too much. No, no, no! Don't give I... everything away, but. Don't be afraid to talk about it, I think, because yeah.
2: people who listen to this won't be the people who will say, I want to know nothing about the film. It's uh, it's
0: it's just a crazy film. It um, is, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I'm not too squeamish. Like, I'm relatively desensitised. Mm. But there were times during this film where I just had to cover up certain people's mouths on the screen with my hand <sighs> um, because it's just there's just an unnecessary amount of um, liquid um <laughs> but apart from that like uh how were you guys' experience with the film especially kind of going in blind really uh Was adam a- do you want to go first yeah
1: sure okay well <clears throat> well i had i had to watch this quite quickly because i had i had a ske i had i had a work schedule the, the day after so so to be but also, because I was watching it on YouTube as well, which I don't usually like to do because I just find myself getting more distracted. Yeah. So, but, so, but, but basically, I just, I just really could not get into this. As be- I, I even had to, I, eventually when it got to like an hour in, I just had to pause it and, and then I finished off in the morning. just That's because. Fair. Well, I mean, because I think it just I was tired, but, uh, but I mean, kind of what you said. I mean, it's, it's pretty much just, Almost like minor plot point, minor plot point, then gore and gore, and it's just again, it's it's only very driven. ah. If if I'm rambling, just thinking no, about you, it, yeah,
0: I, I get I get what you mean. It's a very maddening film, mm. um, and and <laughs> what what Matt, what do you think about the 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 maddening stuff in this film? Uh, so it, just to kind of
2: summarize my journey watching this (laughs) film um so i first heard about it from you obviously um and you you said to me like don't look up anything about it so i thought okay Mm. because i thought you'd seen it at the time Mm -hmm. when you recommended Mm -hmm. it so i thought okay the fact that he's saying this means it's going to be some flavor of madness this film and i was right it is a flavor of madness and i was kind of into it for the first hour i think because i didn't know anything about it and then Mm. after the first 10 minutes i thought okay this is like a zany campy, gory B-movie. I can get behind that. That's cool. I like that. And then where where did you get cut off by that so, enthusiasm? After, like, the first hour, because um, it's weirdly structured, this song, because the first part of it has, like, a sort of a sort of standard, like, act one of, like, maybe an 80s sports movie of, like, I will avenge my brother, but in the boxing ring sort of thing, like Karate Kid levels thing. And then it kind of goes off the wall a bit. Like, there's a really long (laughs) flashback sequence that's just, like, this is a weirdly structured film, and there are some visuals in it that just made me chuckle, like the little bat skeleton thing. That made me laugh. That was hilarious. And then, like, I think after the first hour the sort of the novelty of it being different and weirdly structured and the shock value of the goriness of it and the effects kind of wore off a bit and i felt depleted by it and i think by the last half hour i was just counting down the minutes because it didn't Mm. really elevate itself beyond that first hour because it's like in the first hour you get the shock value of the effects and the gore and the sort of novelty like i said of the structure and then it doesn't really build on that in my opinion it kind of just Stays at that level for the next hour of just kind of. I made a joke to you before recording this that if you plotted this film on the Dan Harmon story circle, (laughs) like the first three points would be the same, and then the rest, the other six or however many, would just be like satanic ritual. It's like it has a structure a bit, and then doesn't, and it's fascinating. Yeah,
0: (laughs) because of that structure thing, I mentally checked out in the middle of the film Mm -hmm. because it 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 does a. Act three, uh, like like uh, tie up in a bow thing yeah. in the mm. middle. Yeah. Um, it's like food the, fight. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. This this uh, this is uh, directed by Quai Chi Hung, and yep. like we said earlier, it's his second to last film, and he's done like millions of films. Apparently. Yeah, so
2: he's had. I did a quick Google search of him before mm. recording this, and he's had a very. A rich career of making these sort from, from of from
0: 1963 to yeah. 1984
2: he had a very yeah. long career of making these very sort of controversial gory like video nasty-esque films that were oh, yeah. sort of going against studios and i think i read somewhere i can't remember what the film was he tried to put a, like a little political message in one of his films but the studios wouldn't let him and then he found a way to kind of ease it in there i can't go into detail it's it's really it's
0: interesting how you mentioned video nasty uh the video nasties because when i was watching this uh, and you were saying to me like it's a film that like i get it but like i'm never gonna need to watch it again and i could get why people like it i was just wondering how this film compares to watching basket case basket oh my god
2: that's a film i've hated basket (laughs) case that i just that's again i think if i watched because it's in the exact same vein of this film. It's like gory, sort of grindhouse, video nasty, campy, low-budget, horror kind of thing. Bad acting, bad cinematography, gory effects. Blair, the cinematography Blair, 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 this Blair. is not bad. No, I'd but say Basket that. Case, though. Oh, right. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And, right. I mean, yeah. But they're both in the same vein and I think if I watch Basket Case now, I would say, yes, this film isn't for me. I hate it. I would never watch it again. But I would still, and with this film as well, with The Boxer's Omen, I would recommend it to people out there that you see it at least once. Because it right. is, it's an experience. It there is aren't, an experience. There yeah. aren't many films I've seen mm. like it. And I think if you want to experience a variety of cinema, go and watch this film at least once. I can't mm. promise, unless you have a metaphobia or some kind of. Yeah. Uh, if mm. you're squeamish, don't watch it. But if you're just willing
0: to experience something new and something wild. Because that's go the and odd thing, it. right? There is, there is like weirdly. Are not beautiful but striking things in this film like mm. um Ad mm. Adam, what do you think of that clash between like these nice like colorful visuals of like this uh, like this buddhist monk with superpowers but then it gets mm. kind of like undercut with just like vile cannibalism <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i It's it's so it's, it's alright. Like trying I trying to formulate my thoughts. Just...
0: It, that that's that, honestly that's it's a yeah. that's the film in general, right? Like... <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: well, I mean, I mean, the thing is, I I get I'm even like not sure what to say about this, but I guess one thing I can I think is that I think the effects themselves, I think, just seem so hit or miss. I mean, there are some that are really good, like again the bubbly effects that you have on the skin, mm. and then there are some effects like. Those spiders, which are just very obviously stuffed toys.
2: Yeah, yeah, I found it hilarious. Like I mentioned this before, the little <laughs> skeleton of the bat. This skeleton walking bat. Around. When I
0: first saw him, though, it's was quite creepy. It was it's, creepier than it gets hilarious. But I like, found it when brilliant. it's just like a skeleton bat.
2: Because it's in the first hour, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm all for this. This is, is hilarious. Like, I'm loving
0: this." There is like one. Bit in the film, though, that I wouldn't, it wouldn't look out of place like as a wallpaper where, like, he so the the brother that goes to avenge, like, event, like, Avengers brother, uh, his other brother, um, when he becomes a Buddhist monk, he like is meditating and he t- like turns all red and then the, the scroll goes onto his body and it's mm. it for the effects at the time, it's really good. yeah, I was, <laughs> I was gonna
2: mention that actually because I think of all the shots in this film, this is the one that's like. Burned itself on my brain the most. Mm. I think it is very striking, and I, I liked it. It's a good shot.
1: for some reason the scrolling on his skin just makes you think of computer code. For some reason, yeah, I like the just, Matrix. Yeah, I, I think just again that 80s well, sense, as well.
0: Just... It's probably an, it, those types of films are probably an influence on the Matrix, right? Because Ooh, Shaw, yeah. Shaw Brothers Kung Fu yeah. films, Kung Fu and the Matrix. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't Yeah, hundred percent. I just found uh, a quote from from the director Quay Quay. Sorry. Quay, uh, Chi-Hung, uh, and this is where I struggle to find the quote again now. Um, <laughs> where is it? Uh, So he said, because he literally has a whole segment on Wikipedia, it's called Notable Quotes. Uh, He says, the audience is hard to please, their taste tends to be low. The more vulgar the movie, the more likely you will make money. If you try to do something different or try to say something true to your beliefs, you might end up with a disastrous flop. To please your audience, you must resort to gimmicks. I make fantasy movies because audiences like them, but I'm not cavalier making them. I devoted a lot of thought on photography, lighting, and so on. What do you think of that quote in regards to this film in particular? I mean, I disagree with
2: him that like, what was he saying there? That audiences are dumb and need shock. Basically, is that is that what he's saying? Well, well oh. I mean,
0: because I know you were saying he he tried to put a, a political message into one of his films and it, it just wasn't happening. So, like, I think I think it happened
2: in the end, but it was very kind of like. Right. you know sneaky sneaky because the studio didn't want so to. I, more, this is more like a so, kind of line i read right. on wikipedia but so i more, don't feel i, I mean
0: more, with this quote i mean more so in just like the more vulgar it is the more the more eyes you get on it in a way I mean, that's true i guess yeah because
1: because yeah. i mean i was i mean obviously i mean that's pretty much what grindhouse is based on obviously because obviously, there's a large fan base of obviously pe- people uh, a large fan base of people for films with cheaper cheap gory effects and the film and the fact that just pretty much driven by only that.
0: Mm.
2: I think, yeah. yeah, it's a quote that was very true at the time, I think, because around that time, 60s, 70s, 80s, these were mm. films that were harder to get hold of, I guess. But now in the mm. age of the internet, you can access this stuff anywhere. So it's mm. kind of, there's less of a sort of mad desire for it, I guess, more less of like intrigue around it, because mm. you can access it in more places. Whereas this guy was making films that, you know, in the 60s, people hadn't seen many films like this or any films like this i imagine mm. so it was kind of there was a thirst for it that yeah you know he was feeding into i guess
0: yeah uh the alternative titles for this film are mo I, i'm not and magic so again i mo say mo and mo and, magic yeah i what well, mo and mo. like the, the <laughs> mo 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 <laughs> good <old> simpsons <laughs> uh, yeah. there's a diff, two different titles but i i okay. have a feeling mo is pronounced differently um mm. And then, oh no! I was gonna pull up a critic quote, but I don't know this critic, so it's like, what's the point? Um, mm. <laughs> in general, it's like it's that it, like I like picking wildcard films because even though nine times out of ten or like most times they don't work, at least, at least I have experienced something that like has broken my expectations or like there are no expectations involved. Um, so I think if you want. A film that is just going to be absolutely balls to the wall, doesn't follow plot conventions, but has a lot of crazy stuff in, and some cool colors. (laughs) Then watch this film. Uh, What 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 would you guys say for audiences?
2: Yeah, like I I agree. I think although I didn't really like this film, and I doubt I'll watch it again. I don't feel like I wasted my time watching it for the first time because, like I said before, it introduced me to a type of film that I wouldn't normally watch and I haven't seen many types of films of and yeah I would I would recommend this to audiences I think just to like see once an experience and just yeah just delve into because <laughs> it is it's a crazy film uh, Id yeah I, <laughs> I'm not sure what, what else to go I'm kind of repeating myself at this point but
1: what, what do you think Adam yeah I mean again it's kind of more repeating what you said but yeah I mean if. I think, if you like Shock Valley, then I think the film's done its job, then.
2: It's a product yeah. of its time, I think, mm. and it's, like, yeah, I don't think there's as much... You sound like the <laughs> film's just, like,
0: beating you to a pulp.
1: Who <laughs> <You're
0: like, laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't... I, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a... impactful film, to say the least. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I was watching it on Six Hours Sleep and was holding my eyes open and... Even then, like I said, I was
2: watching it on like nine hours of sleep and still (laughs) counting down the minutes by the end. I was just like, I get it.
0: Gory stuff. Also, when's it ending? (laughs) Yeah. Just an an annoying thing with uh, films involving boxing, they always tend to have an antagonist who is by no way in the same weight class as the boxer because the villain boxer in this is fucking jacked. And it's like, he wouldn't have stood a chance. Also, this is more kickboxing, but yeah. Uh, like, yeah, just a random random tidbit. Because I was, I was watching a bit of Creed 2 the other day. It was on the telly, and it's the same thing where like the antagonist is way too too big. <laughs> it's, it's that's not that wouldn't happen in boxing. But then also in this, you wouldn't have a, a Buddhist monk who can uh, telepathically kill bats and crocodiles. So Yeah, you know. I think that bit mm. was a bit
2: scientifically inaccurate. <laughs> yeah, and I think exactly. the scene where the scroll is going on his skin, I don't think that would happen in real life.
0: You know, the scene where... <laughs> <laughs> it's a bunch of... The scene where XYZ crazy stuff happens type film. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's on YouTube if you want to see it. Um, it. It's... The weird similarity with Suspiria is that it messes around with like the dubbing and it, it adds to that weird fever dream feel. <laughs> But yeah, if you want a weird one, go watch it or don't. So wait, did but you watch the dubbed version? It it's odd. So it's a, it's dubbed but it's in the same language, so it's clearly either done after the fact or like there's just odd mixing in general or it yeah, just been I, an odd copy.
2: I have to say I didn't notice it as much as Suspiria. Maybe I was distracted by literally everything else. <laughs> but
0: <laughs> yeah. I will I will say before we get out of here, uh it's a great poster. Uh both this it, and yeah. Mm. B- both this and the green poster for Ashes and Diamonds are like some of my favorite posters at the moment. They're, yeah, they're very so, good posters. Yeah, um, Adam, what have you thought of today's spread of films? Because we we we've, we've covered a a giant gamut. We've gone from like you know family drama yeah. to gi- weird Giallo film
1: to k- Kung Fu telepathic <laughs> Buddhist monks. <laughs> I guess I could say at least one thing like, they have between them is that they they. They really evoke a kind of sensual extreme in the sense that obviously *Suspiria* produces extreme fear, obviously mm. Ultimate Sonata* produces I think extreme heartache, where and and then Boxer's Omen* just produces extreme disgust. disgust. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's a good way of summarising <laughs> everything. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. Um, thank you very much for being on the show, Adam. We really appreciate it, and we appreciate all your support for the show. Well, thank you very much for having me on. And I, I it's hope been a good had time. A, a real fun Enjoyed time this. because it, yeah, like I said, it was a. It was a eccentric spread um, and <laughs> i i both do and don't apologize for the boxes open so you know please so. don't apologize i'm glad you chose it i would rather talk about a film
2: i don't like that's interesting mm. than a film yeah. i do like that's not interesting like <sighs> definitely pushes to so the least but yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: um but yeah we've been that's a wrap podcast and um, this is this has been Joe and adam uh I don't know. Why I'm turning into Truman. <laughs> oh, I've forgotten how to do outros. In case Mark. I don't see you, that uh, <laughs> rap. No, Adam was Ooh. meant to say it. <laughs> Sorry, you're <laughs> a bad person. You know what? I'm gonna give Adam his own spotlight to say the whole thing now because you. Oh. Right, Adam. In three, two,
1: one. That's a, a rap. Hey! Hey! <laughs>